0: choices, what we choose to eat, uh, what we choose to focus on, and when we don't take personal responsibility, then we're always looking for a quick and easy fix outside of ourselves, and that doesn't pay off in the long run. Uh, We we have to deal with these, these issues, and there are safe and effective ways to reduce stress in our lives, increase our ability to withstand stress get a good night's sleep improve our energy levels feel better about life be healthier and happier in every way
1: mm. before we go there uh, you know i want to ask you
2: what are some of the conditions that are are linked to excess stress in our lives well
0: Stress is an underlying factor in virtually every health condition, uh, and it certainly worsens uh, every health condition. Uh, I like to use the analogy that stress is like uh, straws on a camel's back. We want to eliminate as many of those stressors as we can, but uh, if, if we don't have a strong system, then eventually our system starts breaking down. So some of the body systems that are really sensitive to stress are immune system, our cardiovascular system, our gastrointestinal system. Uh, These are the the three areas where stress is a huge factor in in most common uh, conditions affecting these these systems. So whether it's the irritable bowel syndrome, low immune function, or high blood pressure, uh, stress can definitely play a role.
1: I mean, there's even some talk that, uh, you know, a good percentage of cancers are are stress related.
0: Yeah. Again, uh, stress creates a response within us uh, that uh, ultimately uh, can weaken our system. Uh, The way our body is built to deal with stress is to either uh, get away from it. Or, uh, or fight it. Uh, with stress, we get activation of our fight-or-flight response, and uh, the two areas that get activated are our, parasymp- me, our sympathetic nervous system, which controls uh, our heart rate, our, the blood flow throughout our body, how uh, we can mobilize uh, body processes to escape uh, danger, and also our uh, adrenal glands, and specifically, we get an out... Flow of adrenaline and cortisol, and uh, long-term stress leads to long-term elevations in cortisol, and that is extremely uh, damaging. It's it's damaging to every body tissue, particularly our brain, our bones, our muscle, our heart. Uh, excess cortisol is an epidemic, uh, and it's largely uh, a result of uh, poor. Uh, the ability to deal with stress and uh, faulty blood sugar control. Those two kind of go hand in hand. So that's a big focus of the book is helping people stabilize their blood sugar levels.
3: Yeah, and I'm going to come back to that. But what is the difference
4: between stress and anxiety? Because I think people can identify things that are stressing them out, but what's
2: the difference between that, the, the two?
0: Well, yeah, stress is, is anything that, that activates this uh... fight or flight response activates our adrenal glands uh... with anxiety it's it's a it's a mood disorder uh... characterized by uh... feelings of intense uh... fear or uh... irritability or or worry, or dread, or, uh, uh, or anxiety, so it's, uh, it's a little bit different than stress. When we feel stressed out, then uh, you know, that can often be uh, related to uh, a clinical condition of anxiety. Uh, anxiety in its uh, far spectrum is uh, characterized by panic attacks. Oh. Uh, panic attacks are extreme cases of anxiety.
1: Well, how do most people deal with their stress as, as you see it in North America? Because obviously, we're not doing it very well if we're having to resort
3: to drugs. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, you know, okay, CITR listeners, I hate to interrupt this amazing medical uh, information, but guess what? Guess what time it is? It's time for the Arts Report today on the arts report we talk about the 8th annual bc bud spring fair ignite youth arts festival from the cultures youth program Tommy arts kabuki dance bollywood shenanigans and ticket giveaways for i can't believe it's not butter chicken and the may 13th screaming screening of dox's do you really want to know stay tuned Hi! It's May 9th on the Arts Report. It's your weekly fix of arts, news, reviews, interviews on CITR 101.9, streaming on CITR.ca. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. Let us know what you want to hear. I have a pretty packed show for you today. I'm all by myself. It's pretty sad, but I think I'm going to muddle through. Um, I'm extremely insecure, so I'd like to have someone here to make me feel better, but it's not going to happen this year, so... You know, it's not It's not about me. It's about you. It's about the art scene. So let's get started. What I did list this week. Um, this is, uh, I had some really fun shows that I went to this week uh, past. On last Wednesday, after we heard about it, we had the Exquisite Hour. Now, the Exquisite Hour, uh, if you don't remember, was the one-hour real-time show playing at review stage it will be playing until the 12th and it is actually the story of a salesman who gets an unanticipated and at first kind of mysterious visit from uh, a very lovely young salesperson and I went with my partner and it really was lovely like I found it delightful it's very lighthearted as um As Jesse Van Reen said last uh, week, not all theater has to punch you in the face, which we had a lot of fun with that analogy, but it really was. It was delightful. It was very sweet. And there's a bit of a twist at the end, though. It was so um, gentle and kind of slow-moving is not the word to say, but languid, I guess, in its production, that um, you did see the twist coming. Um, But really... All the evening is about is about enjoying yourself. There are definitely some really interesting ideas about time, memory, knowledge, um, really interesting little ideas that'll be a nice conversation over dinner afterwards. But in general, it was, you know, it was quite funny, very sweet, and they did an excellent job of kind of setting the scene. Uh, it's set in a backyard uh, at dusk. You come in, you have a glass of lemonade, um, quite a number of people were dressed in the kind of 1960s style. So yeah, it was it was a really cute little play and apparently uh, it really has changed quite a bit since last year as uh, Nick noted in the um, in the interview that we did last week. So go check that out, find our podcast last week um from cihr.ca. And then I would I would recommend it, I think. Um you know, it's it's a it's kind of like a date. You know, it's a good date night. Um I also went to the last Hip Hop Lipstick As some of our listeners may know, there's been a couple of shutdowns of really popular um, gay and queer dance nights around the city um, and dance nights that were definitely friendly to all orientations and walks of life. The Cobalt, for example, there was Apocalyptic every Sunday and that has two more Sundays to go. And then uh, Hip Hopalistic was the hip hop version and uh, was hosted uh, by Peaches. And yeah, it was really a great night. I'm just going to double check um, as I speak to you. So, pardon the typing. Soundtrack to our lives, am I right? Um, all the performers that were there. But needless to say, it was kind of a bittersweet night. Some amazing, amazing performances. So, um, Pony Boy, DJ Jeff Leopard, these were some of my favorites. Um, there was a really amazing. Um, a really amazing duet with Isolde and Baron and uh the host Peach, Peach Kabla. And they they did this really cool um duet as well as the um pony boy now, as far as I understand it, it's a girl playing a boy, playing a girl. Um, which actually I had to explain to my partner because he didn't notice that it was a Wasn't a boy. So I thought that was a a really good show. It's fun. It's just a dance night. It's a really fun, trashy drag. So sad, but they will be back with other projects in the future. They weren't allowed to tell us about it, but apparently some secret stuff coming up. And then I also interviewed some of my people from Sad Mag for the upcoming LGBTQ um, 24 Hours of Rainbow Power. It actually used to be called Gay for a Day. And uh, so it's a historical thing at CITR that actually started when there was a protest about uh, another station in Halifax doing Gay for a Day. And, you know, they were charged with obscenity. So other stations started doing the same type of formatting as a protest. And we're bringing it back. Uh, Aiden Saint, host of Queer FM for the past few years, will be moving to Hawaii lucky jerk um, but he will be doing Queer FM Hawaii so if any of our listeners love that show you can you can check them out online but yeah we'll be doing 24 hours of LGBTQ and I interviewed Sad Mag because they have really intense connection to the LGBTQ community especially in East Van so you can hear more of the Arts Report interviewing them as well as some other cool local artists on the LGBTQ marathon on June 1st from 6am to 6am Um, And we actually got a review or rather some information sent in from one of our contributors, Anna Garza, and she actually attended Bear 71, which is a uh, one of the Docsa films. It opened the festival and it's not actually a film. It's a installation piece or an interactive documentary. And from May 10 to 12, it will actually be open to the public at the Roundhouse Community Arts and Recreation Center in Town. It incorporates projections of Bear 71, the documentary, along with an quote-unquote augmented reality app that allows users to explore the world of Bear 71. Now, you can actually check them out online. A lot of the Doxa trailers are out there, and it's something you have to see to understand, but you can watch a linear version of the documentary or you can watch an interactive version by finding spots on a map and it reflects not just the tracking of this bear but also the tracking of our day-to-day lives so something for environmentalists and social rights activists both Um, Two remote trail cams were set up in high traffic areas outside the main installation as well. So you kind of get to be part of the experience and part of the film at the same time. Admission is free and it is a National Film Board of Canada or NFB film. Um, It had its world premiere at Sundance and actually got three Webby Awards for Bear 71 for the NFB. So that's kind of cool. You can check that out Thursday, May 10th, Friday, May 11th. Um, from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. and then on Saturday, May 12, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. in Yale Town at the Roundhouse Community Center. Um, what's in? You can actually check them out online at bear71.nfb.ca. And speaking of Doxa, we do have some tickets to give away today uh, for "Do You Really Want to Know." Sunday, May 13th, uh, there'll be an additional screening at 2 p.m. at the Van City Theater. And uh, John Zaritsky is the Academy Award winning director that directed it. And it also features Jeff Carroll, who's a PhD graduate from UBC, and Dr. Michael Hayden, who's the director of UBC's world renowned Huntington's Research Lab. So you can check out more information and you can check out a trailer. Uh, I'd love to play something for you, but there's just music and typing, there's no, and text, there's no. Um, actual sound, so I couldn't play that for you. Um, You can hear some of my colleagues in the hall. I forgot to shut the door to the studio. And so we'll be giving away some tickets, so give us a call at 604-822-2487, or you're welcome to send me an email at arts at citr.ca, and we'll be taking a break in a few minutes, so that'll be a good time to do that. And uh, if you don't get through, keep trying. I'll get to you, I promise. So we have a couple of tickets for the May 13th showing for that if you're interested I I actually really like the film and I did talk to John briefly though we um, weren't able to air it due to sound quality but yeah it was a really interesting film and kind of heartbreaking but gives you some help for the future of film so when we, uh, future of science not film, I mean the future of film too I guess so we have a uh, a quick break coming up, that's what I did this week that's what Anna did this week And maybe it's what you're going to be doing this week because you're going to win some tickets. After the break, we're going to talk about Tomeo Arts, which is producing a kabuki dance event uh, on the 12th and the 13th. And we have an extended interview with them as well as an extended interview with... um, Bollywood shenanigans later in the set because it's Asian Heritage Month and while these are definitely events I would have covered anyway I thought I'd spend a little extra time on them um, just to give people a little more sense of the culture and history behind what we'll be talking about so please stay tuned for Tomeo Arts and we will be right back uh, with more May is Asian Heritage Month so don't miss out on these cool events going on in your community
3: May 6th, the National Asian Heritage Month video conference hits Vancouver. This event is located in the video conferencing studio at UBC and runs from noon to 2 p.m. This second national video conference linking Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal is themed What Are We Mutating To? Admissions to this event are by donation. Later on the evening of May 6th, enjoy a Persian and flamenco fusion concert at the SFU Woodwards Building in Gastown. May 10th, local playwright C.E. Gachalian will read from his new novel and answer questions from the audience as a part of the Robson Reading Series. This event is free, but pre-registration is required. Rounding out the week is Echoes from the Southwest Benefit Concert at the Richmond Gateway Theatre, a special concert to introduce the unique blend of minority music in southwestern China, featuring renowned Halusi flute soloists from Yunnan Province in China. This is a ticketed event to fundraise for the Kidney Foundation of Canada, and for details, visit bccma.net. For more information on these or any other Asian Heritage Month events, go to exploreasian.org at e-x-p-l-o-r-a-s-i-a-n.org. Artists and Our Miss welcomes their 20th anniversary by inviting the public to join them for two popular art events this spring. Event 1 is a free roundhouse exhibit and birthday party on May 16th. One day only at the Roundhouse Community Center at 181 Roundhouse Muse in Yelltown. There'll be an artist reception from 7 to 10 p.m. And don't miss out on the birthday cake bash at 8. Following up the birthday bash, there will be a free open studios walk on May 19th through the 21st. Studios will be open from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. And to see participating artists and a map, visit the website at artistsinourmidst.com. and
1: we're back and what we have in the background is the Tokiwazu ensemble performance traditional group performance of Tokiwazu music lead shamisen is Tokiwazu Mozibe V and they're actually going to be part of the Tomoe Arts production of Shamisen in Adori the music and dance of Kabuki May 12th and 13th so that's coming up this weekend at SFU Woodwards now, I actually had a chance to talk to Colleen Lanky, uh, creator and artistic director of Tomayo Arts. She's flying in two Japanese master performers for upcoming production uh, the Shamisen and Adori. Canadian dancer choreographer actually spent years studying and performing in Japan. Um, actually, she apparently supported herself by doing uh, episodes of Iron Chef. Like, she, she did the, uh, the voiceovers of one of the female judges. Anyway, her company, Tomeya Arts, uh, alternates between contemporary work and then we also have the traditional Japanese work highlighting the dance of kabuki. So on the program is a 114-year-old kabuki dance duet that Colleen will perform with her teacher and master dancer, Fujima, Fujima Shogo. And she actually would like to bring a full kabuki production to Vancouver. And she told me that it was very... Very challenging to bring a Kabuki production to Vancouver. So this is a intimate, smaller performance that you'll be seeing. However, uh, she told me a little bit more about what Tomeo Arts means and what the um, kind of impetus was for the, uh, the creation of the company. So let's hear a little bit from Kali.
2: The Japanese word um, that means vortex or swirl. It's also the female name and the name of a general from the tale of Heike, which is a medieval tale uh, of Japan. And she was a general in the army.
1: Tell me a little bit about how you came to perform and produce these uh, Japanese dance performances.
2: Well, I've always been a dancer and a singer and an actor. I did musical theater most of my life, and I studied acting, and I have always been interested in Japanese culture, and in university, I was fascinated by Noel Theater, actually, which is a, a medieval form of Japanese theater, and the masks and the plays of that time, so I went to Japan uh, basically for a year to teach English and to see theater and have a break and get recharged, and I felt totally in love with the traditional arts, both No and then Kabuki. I saw, I, I watched Kabuki almost every month, and I fell in love with it as a theatrical form in terms of the dance movements. It's uh, character-driven. It's beautiful. It's extremely detailed and fairly difficult to do, but absolutely a wonderful, expressive form. So I started studying with Um, When I was there, I found this absolutely fantastic teacher. this wonderful teacher called Fujima Yuko, and she just basically embraced me as a foreigner there and took me in, and I studied with her for six years.
1: And so you wanted to bring that art to to Vancouver. I moved
2: back to Vancouver. It's my hometown. I was born and raised in the East End. And I moved back here and wanted to continue my practice. I wanted to not only continue the traditional practice, but also be able to develop new work as an artist that somehow incorporated these aesthetics. And it, basically, I, I felt I had to do that myself with my own company. So I started Tomoy Arts with that idea of both trying to teach and instruct and show and present the traditional work so people could get a sense of what that's all about, but also to create new pieces that use the forms and aesthetics of mostly Nihon or Kabuki, but also of other traditional Japanese art forms.
1: Give us a soundbite version of Kabuki dance, just for the uninitiated.
2: Great. Well, Kabuki dance, um, it has many different forms. Nihon Buyo, Japanese classical dance, uh, has a lot of different kinds of aspects. One major form of it is from the geisha tradition, and the other major branch of it is kabuki odori they're all intertwined and connected it's a form that is as I said highly theatrical it's character driven it's lyric and image driven the, the dances are all done to the lyrics of the songs and they're all stories and images uh, the main character can either be male or female so you would dance that main character in a particular form and it doesn't matter what gender the dancer is. You will dance this character and you'll be also dancing and describing what they're seeing and doing and experiencing and, uh, either living through uh, an adventure or a, a love or a relationship or poetically describing both through the text and through your movement the, uh, you know, the feelings that the character is having based on something that just happened to them dances um, can either be total plays or little sections of plays or independent dances like concert pieces
1: yeah so more specifically can you tell us a little bit about the uh, show that's coming up at the goldcorp theater sure
2: uh, at the goldcorp center for the arts uh, in, we are doing a, a small scale lovely intimate dance concert uh it's there it's going to be really intimate with the audience. It'll be really lovely. There's there's one dancer coming from Japan. His name is Fujima Shogo. He's my current teacher. And a master shamisen player, which is really amazing. Uh, His name is Tokiwazu Mojibe the Fifth. And they are coming from Japan. They arrive next Wednesday. uh, And they will be playing uh, live shamisen, live dance. I will also be dancing. So Shogo Sensei and myself will both dance. Solo pieces. Mojibe Sensei will do uh, a couple of pieces with Shogo Sensei and uh, also a piece on his own that's going to be really exciting. It's a very storytelling piece, playing multiple characters that are drunk on a boat in Tokyo. It's going it to be really great, uh, <laughs> really a lot of fun. Uh, he's a fabulous singer and a fabulous family fun player. And then the finale is a piece of All Three of Us, which I'm working very hard on because I am extremely honored and kind of scared to be dancing and performing with these two masters. But uh, we're doing a a trio that is a story about an angel or a celestial maiden who comes down from heaven and loses her feathered robe that gets picked up by a fisherman, and she has to fight to get it back, and she does and flies off to the heavens.
3: That sounds beautiful. That's the story of Hagoromo. The month of May is Asian Heritage Month. This month is an opportunity to acknowledge and celebrate the rich history of Asian Canadians and their contributions to our communities. Since its inception in Toronto in 1993, cities across Canada, including Vancouver, have been holding annual festivities to recognize Asian Heritage Month throughout the month of May. CITR will be airing special PSAs to keep you up to date on local events, informative pieces about Asian Canadians in the Vancouver community, and special blocks of Asian Heritage Month programming. So stay tuned to CITR 101.9 FM and logged in to CITR.ca for all things Asian Heritage Month this month of May.
1: back. So that was the first part of an interview with Colleen Linky and I find it really interesting to talk to her we actually did go further into other uh, aspects of Kabuki and one of the things I had thought and you'll hear this in the interview was about the gender of Kabuki and how it was always male much like you assume all things have been male but that was not always true I think one of the things that you also might hear about kabuki theater, and people use this actually in a derogatory way, is they'll call something that is purely ceremonial or purely form a kabuki theater of something. Um, And that was something that was always interesting to me. I wasn't really sure what that meant. And so it was nice to talk to her a little bit more because I think that something that is so historical and traditional, and does use patterns and um, set symbols can also have a lot of life and it doesn't necessarily have to just be empty, which I think is what people mean when they use that phrase kabuki whatever, or rather they mean this represents this aspect rather than um, actually being something in itself. So. Forgive me if I'm getting that phrase wrong and feel free to email me and tell me how wrong I got it. But the point is that she really tells me what is what. And again, um, we're listening to a traditional group performance of Tokiwazu Music, which will be featured as part of this event in uh, Shemisen in Odori, May 12th and 13th. So let's hear a little bit more about Kabuki Theater from Colleen in general and about playing uh, f- female and male roles on stage. The solo that you're going to be performing is a male form solo and you've touched a little Correct. bit on it already but I'd love for you to elaborate a little bit more about the role of gender because obviously that's something where you have um, both named your, your production company and that is something that's coming up in in this performance. Now, is this something that is incidental in terms of you know, you yourself are obviously a female dancer, or is this something that talks more about the actual form of kabuki? I'd love to know a little this is bit more.
2: absolutely about the form. The gender is played through kata, or form. So to embody a male character, you hold your arms a certain way, you hold your legs a certain way, you hold your spine a certain way. And that indicates male. And there's even differences within that as to how rough, the male that particular character is, or how old, or, the, you know, the particular characteristics of that particular male character, and it really it does not matter what the body of the actual dancer is, gender-wise. So women can dance male roles, and of course men can dance female roles, and in the grand kabuki, in the large-scale professional kabuki in Japan, it's actually entirely danced by men, and of course in the geisha tradition, at least as it is contemporarily, it's all women. And these women in, the, in, in purgeisha dance male and female characters. So it's, it's a way of embodying a story that's not limited by who you have in your cast as, as gender. So it's a lot of fun actually to dance male characters.
1: I love it. <laughs> so, to, so to have these kind of mixed gender casts is mm-hmm. more a more contemporary interpretation of, of the tradition?
2: Um, yeah, you could either say it's contemporary or it goes way, way, way back to its origins. Because originally, when Kabuki was created, Uh, you know in the Edo period it was created by a woman named Okuni who had a mixed troupe she had men and women dancing and she danced male roles and she had men who danced female roles so in my personal opinion it's going right back to the very very origins uh, it was you know a few decades after she started the form that women were banned and then younger men were banned for different reasons and so it became a you know at least in the big cities in the professional theatre uh, an art form that was only performed by adult males who had to learn how to play different characters, and that's where the art form grew.
1: It was your dream to bring a full Kabuki production to Vancouver. Yes. Now, why is that inherently challenging? It's, uh, or or well, is it, I guess I should say, is that inherently challenging? Or, Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's big. It's like bringing a full-scale opera,
2: in a way. Um, there's a lot of people involved in a full-scale kabuki, there will not only be the dancers, but a full entourage of musicians, which can be anywhere from 8 to 12 or 16 or even 24 people, depending on the kind of music you're using. Mm-hmm. There could be 2, 6, 10 dancers, depending, again, on the play. A smaller dance play would be maybe 3 or 4 dancers or performers. Um, and then you've got backstage staff, costumers, which are essential, uh, people who can look after the wigs, people who can help with the makeup it's uh, a rather massive undertaking and it's not like we could hire wig makers and costumers here because it's an incredibly specialized thing so to do a full scale kabuki is a big deal yeah so you're looking at dozens of people and you need a fairly big space as well so it's a dream I hope it can be a reality but it's a a big plan so we'll see we'll see what we can do
1: (laughs) are there any Resources or suggested knowledge that you would recommend for someone coming in to see kabuki for the first time? I know you've given us a lot of information about the history. Much like if you were to go to opera in another language, a lot of the generalities you could get through the you know the expressions of the performers. But I'm wondering mm-hmm. if there's anything extra that our listeners might wanna Google or <laughs> look up bef- so that they they get a fuller experience. The uh,
2: the Japanese. I think the Japanese government website, I actually should have a link of, of, to my, my own website. They actually have a lot of information about kabuki online, and there's a special traditional art section that the Japanese government has put out, which is really useful. They've got lots of little good video bits and clips to learn a lot about. Um, you know, some of the things like the costuming and the sets and stories and characters, which, if, if your listeners are interested, they're really amazing. And if anybody's really keen and can't find it, tell them to please email me at uh you know, info at org, or look up on our website. I'll try to put that link there, actually. Um, but otherwise, just for the general observer, I, it seems really, in a way, scary and different. But it really is entertainment, and it's always been sheer entertainment. So if one can come with a sort of an open sense of just simply really good fun, which it is, really, (laughs) good fun. I mean, the the stories are about courtesans and merchants, and and they're about relationships and love and war, and, you know, all the good stuff that pop culture is about, really. (laughs) It's not any any deep, dark mystery. It's really all about that. Um, to come and be able to experience it just on that level, it, it, it will make it really fun for the audience. So and we'll be seeing will have, some traditional we will have Japanese pop culture. Nothing too academic, just telling you a little bit about the story for each, each of the dances. So you'll, you'll get a sense of what each one is about Or before you get to, to see it. So you'll have a little bit of framework in it. it should be very, very easy to kind of enjoy.
1: Excellent. Is there a- anything else that I've missed that you would like to add? Any closing remarks um, about the production?
2: About the production? Oh, just that it's a really rare chance to see pure dance and pure music like this uh, in an intimate setting and really get a chance to experience that close-up. It's, uh, yeah, that, that, that's rare. And also, if people can come to the lecture demonstration on... 11th at 6.30 it's free and you'll be able to ask questions of the artist which is also a really rare chance to get to talk to them one on one and because it's such a small room it'll be like a really intimate gathering so it'll be great
1: So thank you very much for calling for explaining all that to me I thought I knew something about Kabuki and she really set me straight Um, I am really excited to get to see this on Sunday I believe Saturday or Sunday, and so I'll give you a update next week. But she does do quite a number of um, events throughout the year. Uh, last time was actually like a movie presentation at Tinseltown, or rather, International Cinemas. Excuse me. Um, I have a couple of quick announcements about some things that are coming up, and then we are going to listen to some events. Um, about uh, the a little bit of information about the BC Bud Spring Arts Fair. So please be sure to go and check out the Tomoe Arts website. It is tomoearts.org. And you can find out more information about the event that's happening, Shamisen Inidori, the music and dance of Kabuki, May 12th and 13th at the Gold Corp Center of the Arts. And she gave you also a bunch of links, etc. So please go back after the podcast is up. Write all that stuff down if you aren't listening to this with a notepad and paper, which I actually recommend. So a couple of things that are coming up. um, The Powell Street Festival, which happens in the summer to celebrate um, history and culture in Chinatown, will be doing a fundraiser coming up on the 12th. Uh, Sake tastings, food pairings, music and silent auction in support of the Powell Street Festival. $25 at brownpapertickets.com in advance only. And you can check out more information at powellstreetfestival.com. It's going to be at the Bungalow, 2152 Main Street. And you're going to get um, a bunch of sake, which is a beautiful, smooth, alcoholic beverage from fermented rice. And um, I would also check out some stuff. There's a sake place on Gravel Island that I cannot get enough of. Uh, And you're also invited to bid on silent auction Items like gift certificates, VG's, cookbooks, Connects Club seats, uh, and it's all benefiting the Powell Street Festival Society. ID is uh, is required. I cannot speak today. Whose fault is this? Whose fault is this? It's my board meeting coming up, I think. I'm already tongue-tied in advance of having to talk about all the fun things that are happening at CITR. The other thing that's happening on the 14th, so that's next Tuesday, I believe, if I'm not making that up, is, no, let's see, Thursday? May 14th, nonetheless. Fortune Sound Club, 1470's Pender, is going to be doing um, a really cool thing, and that is hosting Sad Mag Launch Party for the transplant issue. Um, We've also dubbed it the trip-hop issue. And it is about... Vancouver transplants both to and from there's also a healthy dose of hip hop so you have stories on Shad Geneva B from Toronto you have graffiti hip hop karaoke um, peaches from the or peach rather from the hip hop apocalyptic that I spoke about earlier and it's going to be a really fun night plus you'll get to do the hip hop karaoke um, at Fortune Sound Club which is actually a monthly event and it's a big hit so doors at nine. Special Sad Mag section. You can uh, you can look at the new issue while you drink and karaoke. Please RSVP um, on Facebook. So go to Facebook. You can also just drop by. It's going to be like I think it's three bucks before ten thirty. Come on now, three bucks. Fortune Sound Club. That's May fourteenth. So I I'm going to be there. You can come say hi. And now we have a little bit more about. Arts in Vancouver, the BC Buds Spring Arts Fair at the Fire Hall, May 11th to 13th. It's in its 8th year and it showcases established and emerging BC artists um, like Brad Muirhead and Carmen Rosen, Lamont Dance, playwright TJ Daw, uh, Carissa Berry and tons of students from even like elementary schools, Grandview Elementary School for example. So there's new and experimental work, there's family friendly stuff on the weekend. And you also can um, preview some of the 2012, 13, 30th anniversary season for the fire hall. So I talked to um, Caitlin, who's the associate producer of operations. Very nice lady. And she told me just a little bit about the, the themes, the reasons, and the events that you're going to be seeing all included in the bc buds and i I started out talking to her basically why why is it called bc buds what is the idea enjoy
5: so these artists themselves are able to build their audiences and build the show and sort of showcase and build their reputation within the community because they're being seen by all these different people new collaborations build between the disciplines uh, between artists uh, and it's opportunity for people just to sort of meet each other in the community because we see uh, predominantly it's local um, artists from the sort of the greater Vancouver region. But we also we have a few groups coming in from Victoria. We've seen groups come from uh, different parts of the island and um, you know from around um, outside of Vancouver. So it's really nice to kind of get uh, a bit of a, a distant reach out into the province. So,
1: so budding budding artists in the Budding spring.
5: Exactly, exactly.
1: Um, we love, love, love inter, um, interdisciplinary arts mm-hmm. yep. at the Arts Report. So let's talk a little bit maybe about some of the shows that would showcase those types of multiple arts.
5: Sure. Um, we've got a few different things that are happening that are sort of in the interdisciplinary um genre, if you want to call it that. One of the ones that's actually opening up the festival is, um, it's a it's a piece by Brad Muirhead and Carmen Rosen, and they're actually, Brad's um, done work with BC Buds in the past, and he's, he's a musician, but he uses sort of this environmental um, sound to create, um, to create his pieces, so it's very site-specific. Uh, and he's doing a piece in the Firehall Courtyard where he uses sort of the reverberations of uh, traffic noise and things like that, along with um, percussionists players, and vocalists, and they're going to use these sort of drapes of cloth to kind of create um, an installation uh, that's sort of working with, with sound and sound disturbances and, and environments and, and improvised music. and So that's kind of a cool thing that's happening.
1: So he's playing with the kind of sounds of the city and the music of the city and then giving them exactly. a bit of form.
5: Um, we have a lot of people that are, are playing with different um, different aspects. So, you know, We've got a few dance films coming up, some people that have um, created work um, in different sites. Uh, Carissa Barry, who's sort of an up and uh, choreographer in Vancouver right now, has created a film called uh, "What's It's uh, Four Places in a Set of Circumstances," and it's actually kind of cool because she's made a film and she's filmed um, her and another uh, a dancer dancing in different places, um, dancing four different sort of short uh, vignettes in different locations, and then she's actually going to dance. She's going to the film is going to happen. They're also going to have the her performing it in the courtyard at the fire hall. Um, and then we've actually got a... It's great. They did something last year. It's um, Terry Lynn Story, who works with Grandview Elementary School, and they're doing these things called uh, T P theater. So it's um, elementary school students who have uh, probably maybe maybe eight to ten small little teepees that they set up, and in each teepee, it's, it's an individual little play for one person. So you go in... And you told this little story um, that they've created and they've designed. And
1: oh, that's so it's, cool. It's very cool. It's, so your own pers- your own personal play. Exactly, exactly. The BC Buds Spring Arts Fair, is, it's in its eighth year. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about things that are new this year? One of the things
5: that's really fundamental to BC Buds, and that is I mean, very fundamental to what the fire hall kind of believes in, is that um, artists obviously need to be paid for their work, and they need to be paid at a, you know as much. We try and give as much as we can. Um, because BC buds itself is sort of a free by donation event but we you know it's hard to ask an artist to, to perform without payment and so what we've actually done this year is we've taken uh, a smaller amount of, of groups um, I think last year we had about 35 this year we' have only got about 25 different, um, uh, different performances that are happening over the three days um, and we tried to give them uh, a bit more time to rehearse um, some more development support a um, uh, Uh, tried to make sure that they are uh, fairly compensated, obviously. And then what we're also going to try and do is, um, so people had to come back to us with projects that fit in towards this theme of renewal, of emerging artists, of environmental uh, causes, things that are sort of obviously very relevant in today's um, sort of contemporary society. Uh, And then the hopes are that we'll be able to um, hopefully take a couple projects and give them additional support once the festival is done. Definitely, a couple that I, I want to make sure that people see is um, we have a two uh, Friday and Saturday night. We have two sort of uh, it's like a mixed program. Mm-hmm. They're called Beginnings One and Beginnings Two. One of which is uh, more sort of dance oriented uh, and features um, Craig Alfredson, um, Andrew Barrett from Impulse Theater, which is out of Victoria and Lamont uh, Dance. Uh, so it's sort of a more of a dance media program, and then we have Beginnings 2, which is um, Gotta Get a Gimmick Theatre, which is out of Victoria as well, and then Stacey Sherlock and Emily Griffiths, who are New Colour Productions, which are from Vancouver, so it's just kind of these, you know, it's 45 minutes to an hour, and you sort of sit in the theatre and you get a chance to sort of see a, a bit of a mixed bill of different programming and things that are kind of up and coming, so definitely ones that I think people should check out, and then, you know, while you're here go and see the things that are happening in the courtyard and in the stairwell and in front of the building and you know every evening it something different
1: so sounded like she was underwater or like near an ocean which is nice Uh, you will you can see all those acts at the fire hall in the washroom in the courtyard on the stage Check out the full list at www.firehallartcenter.ca. Um, Saturday and Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. Feature events for children and families. It's by donation. So even if you are a struggling artist yourself or a student or someone with no money and you'd like to see some art, this is they make it accessible on purpose. If you are a person of means and you'd like to support these up-and-coming artists, please do so. Um... Some of the things that they mentioned uh, were Let's Play Make Believe, music and performance, Brad Muirhead, Carmen Rosen, Soressa Garner, Hugh Fraser, and Katie Rice, um, Beginnings 1 and Beginnings 2, which are dance and media or dance and theater, and four places and a set of circumstances, which is, I believe is the dance and video event. So we are going to take a quick break, and then when we get back, We are going to learn a little bit more about the Ignite Youth Arts Festival, Uh, speaking of up-and-coming young artists. So please stay with us, have a couple of commercials,
3: and we will be right back. Have you heard of the newly opened NSCS Discovery Restaurant at 1515 Discovery in Jericho Park? (laughs) Profits support NS Culinary Education Society of BC. Enjoy breakfast on the beach for only $4.95. Serve daily from 7 a.m. till 11 p.m. Say you heard this ad and receive 5% off lunch and dinner items until May 31st, 2012. Enjoy breakfast, lunch, or dinner at the newly opened NSCS Discovery Restaurant at 1515 Discovery in Jericho Park and support a local social enterprise.
1: And we're back. We also have something... Uh that's happening recently The Rio you may remember them from watching movies there now you can do that and you can drink they won their fight Midnight movies are back on I believe the next one is this week is Purple Rain
3: here's a little bit of info about The Rio
6: got to ask yourself one question do I feel lucky well do you punk
3: The Rio Theatre is your independent East Vancouver Theatre playing first run feature films independent film screenings as well as live events Every Friday night, there are featured midnight cult classics on the big screen. And no one can beat the Rio for their cheap date Tuesdays. This May, movies are back at the Rio. Fridays at 11 p.m., there's no better place to be than at the Rio Theater for classics such as Battle Royale, Purple Rain, The Dark Crystal, and Jackie Brown. As always, ticket prices are reduced for midnight movies if you arrive in costume, so dress to impress. Special events this month at the Rio include May 16th, open mic night at the Rio with East Fans Got Talent, starting at 8 p.m., alan doyle performing live wednesday may 23rd also at 8 p.m may 30th get your nerd on with the live dungeons and dragons comedy experience join Vancouver's best comedic performers the last wednesday of every month as they quest for glory and snacks in this live improvised spectacular did we mention that movies are back at the rio for more information on all this and more check out the rio i'm so
1: excited about the rio you guys and i totally nailed it with the purple rain Ariel's in the house.
7: Can you hear that? Oh, there we go. Ooh, oh,
1: nice. nice. Yeah, it's
7: nice. Hello.
1: Sometimes what I like to do is turn on the mic, but not turn it up so that you get a false sense of being able to speak to people at home.
7: Oh, yeah. It's like I'm a ghost. I like it.
1: Yeah. We were just talking uh, before you got here about some kabuki. Uh, we talked about some BC buds. Not that tight, though. Oh, Budding okay. artists oh. in the bud of spring. Oh, Look at you punning! That's punning. great. And then we also, um, in an excellent segue, uh-huh. that I'm now going to repeat, we're oh, going to yeah. talk about some Please other do. budding, uh, some other budding artists. The Ignite Youth Arts Festival. So this is happening from May 13th to 19th at the Vansity Culture La- Lab and the Cult Gallery and the Cult Historic Theater. It's cult oriented, and it is uh, the cornerstone of the Cult's Youth Program. And it's so cool. Um, Every year for a week, the cult is taken over by the young kids, um, which I guess we don't we don't count anymore because it's 14 to 24. Oh, yeah. So we're not young kids anymore. I know. I know. But I'm over it. Um, Hundreds of young artists from across the lower mainland. They're showcased. But not only are they showcased, they're doing the festival. They're organizing it. They have, I think, one adult that supervises them. (laughs) <laughs> That's just sheer madness. And and so it's it's a really cool thing. You can check out tickets at the Colch or IgniteYouthFest.ca. Um, and I'll give you a bit of a sense of what you're going to see. So if you go to IgniteYouthFest.ca shows, as I am right this second, on the 14th, you have your music night. On the 15th, you have spoken word, uh, be that text, literary or linguistic. On the 16th, dance. I hear there's someone who's going to tap And loop her own music at the same time. So she tap dances and then she uses a looping machine to like loop her own tapping and also her own music. She's like the Reggie Watts of tap dancing. (laughs) And if you don't know who Reggie Watts is, go and change your life right now. Um, Look him up. The Olivia Project, which is cross disciplinary. Fruit Basket, which is a variety show about gender, sex and sexuality. And then the big finale. Also, throughout the week, you have film and visual arts. So it's a really fun, fun event. Now, don't take my word for it, because I actually have uh, two very adorable young people, Shabby and Joe, and they are going to tell us about what the youth festival means to them. And this was their first interview. And they were like, oh, this is our first interview. Not only were they stellar, And very entertaining and very mature and very sweet. Um, Probably actually one of the better interviews I've done just because they were very clear-spoken, very Mm well-spoken. And the enthusiasm that they had for the event was quite contagious. As you can tell, I'm actually quite excited about this. So we are going to learn a little bit more about Ignite from Joe and Shelby. And then we are going to wrap everything up with some improv troupe sketch comedy from Bollywood Shenanigans.
7: Oh, very cool.
1: And if people are listening, we still have tickets from Do You Really Want to Know? And we have tickets for actually Bollywood Shenanigans. So call us at 604-822-2487 before the show is up. To what you those have tickets. To do you to get these tickets? I believe you have to call 822-2487. <laughs> and that's it's, it. It's that's a it. low bar. It's a low bar. <laughs> um, so I'm going to play this. You're going to call in. Everyone is happy. Enjoy
8: the Young Playwrights Festival, the Youth Mentorship Program, the gallery, the gallery. external workshops for
1: the public, theater, dance, yeah, spoken means. word,
8: music, art, film, uh, gender performance and drag, improv, um, Diablo, and hoops. Probably to to give me some slams. There's yeah. some slam. Well, my name is Joe, and I've been involved with the festival for about. I think this is will be my like seventh year or something and in the beginning i was just coming to attend the shows there and it's kind of been this legendary sort of thing when i was growing up it's like the big ignite festival and you'd see like these little stickers around town with ignite on them and it was this mysterious thing and then as soon as i was kind of old enough i sort of joined the youth panel and became involved performed i think i've performed every year since then what is your performance
1: like? What are the areas in which you perform? Tell us a little bit about what you do.
8: Okay, well, I've been involved in the dance aspect of Ignite for this every year. And so I'm a tap dancer and I've been dancing in the festival and I also do spoken word. I perform in a band with my sister. We're called Yucca Spit It Out. (laughs) (laughs) Our genre is, it almost sounds like it's on purpose. Well, a few, a few years ago, there were some uh, workshops um, called Spit It Out Sundays, and they were sort of a precursor to Ignite, like, um, not a precursor to the festival, but uh, they were workshops put on by the festival. Like, we hired mentors to in spoken word to come in and do workshops with youth f- focusing on fr- spoken word. And that actually changed my life enormously because I became involved in slam after that. And, like, I went on to do other slam things. But it was, it was here at the Colch that that all started. And, yeah, this has been an amazing experience in that regard. And, yeah, this year I'm not actually doing spoken word in the festival. I'm performing with my band. But, uh, yeah, I, so the spoken word night is sort of, I guess it came out of the original workshops that started here.
1: <laughs> and what is it like to be a performer with Ignite and, and with the youth program? I mean, you said you changed your life, um, but why would you suggest that people get involved with the panel and get involved with performing in the festival?
8: Well, it's enormously inspiring. It's, there's something really magical about getting together with a group of like-minded youth and like creating something together, basically. You put all of this work and energy into it, and then to see like to see what comes of that is this enormous reward like enormously rewarding inspiring incredibly stressful <laughs> but you know if you're into that then it, will, it could change your life They're really good
1: it sounds like it's something that really gives you like a hands-on control of your art and that's something that's pretty rare in the artistic world
8: totally totally like most places you'll find it'll be like the adults are doing stuff and like yeah this is how it's done but it's kind of like we get a festival dropped in our laps every year like you are going to put this on you're going to figure it out and you're gonna make mistakes and there's gonna be a bumpy road but yeah it's really empowering to like be in charge of something like if you mess it up then it gets messed up that those are high stakes there and like that's what makes it good Shelby
1: you are what part of the panel do you have a specific role
7: um I am on four committees um I'm on the dance committee, um, the Olivia Project Committee, um, Fruit Basket Committee, and then Giddy Committee, which is just a committee solely for basically entertaining panel
1: members at
7: different events. So giddy. Giddy, oh giddy. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Can you um, tell me a little bit about the other committees that you're on and then what they do?
7: Yeah, so um, the way that we the youth panel um, organizes the different nights is that we split into different committees. Um, so There'll be a dance committee, so that will organize the dance show. And then the Olivia Project Committee is a really special thing because we actually curate work specially for the festival. So what we'll do is we'll go out and we'll, we will invite artists in the community um, that we think are just talented in general and we'll mix them together with people they don't necessarily know and they will collaborate and put together an original piece of work. Classic Night um, is the night all about sex and sexuality, gender, relationships, all that. And so, our show, instead of having a theme like a certain style of art, so just dance or just music, we are all modes of art, but with uh, the theme of sex and sexuality.
1: Now, can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved in the panel? Um, Joe was saying that she saw the stickers and I guess she got curious. Uh, what brought you in?
7: I don't really remember when I first heard about the fest. It was when I was much younger. Um, And then two years ago, I actually performed in it with Joe. We did a tap dance. It was really good. Yeah. Um, And then I I wanted to join the panel last year, um, but I couldn't. And then this year, I had enough time and I was like, I'm so excited. I'm going to join it. And it's just been amazing.
1: Those guys are really great. Um, Agreed. Yeah, 17, Shelby, and 19 for Joe. And as Ariel was saying, meeting young people like that is always awful because you feel like you have not achieved anything in your life. But they were very inspiring and super lovely. Um, So please uh, check that out online. You can go to IgniteFest um, IgniteYouthFest.ca/shows to learn more about all the information and then go to the Cult to buy tickets. It's May 14th to 19th, and yeah, it, it looks really interesting. And I think it's something that you should, if you have youth, is something interesting to get involved with. We are almost out of time, and it makes me super sad. So you have one last chance to call and win tickets. Um, I wanted to get out of here on time, so what I'm What gonna, do you have
7: to do to get tickets? You have to call 822-2487.
1: To get tickets. Thanks, Ariel. Ariel, you got my back. Um, I'm going to let you listen to a little bit from Bollywood Shenanigans. We have a two-part interview. I'm going to play part one, and then we are going to post part two on the YouTube uh, later this week. But you can learn a lot about them and about what, what? they are like um, from that. So we're going to play a little bit from Buppy's Bangra Dance Group, a sketch from Bollywood Shenanigans.
8: Looking for a
6: new way to get jiggy with it? Well, look no further than Pukpi's Pangara Dance Group! Hi, I'm Pukpi, and I'm here to tell you what all the fuss is about. Starting today, Pukpi's Pangara Dance Group is offering its new fuse and dance classes. Do you like reggae? But you can't get enough of the pangra. We're introducing Rangara.
4: Hey, hey, hey. Got the Got
3: yeah, and it. here we have oh, good. them in person enjoy <laughs> oh, <yeah.
1: laughs> why don't you guys introduce yourselves
6: my name is mini sharma
4: and my name is lena monroe
6: And we are the uh, co-creators of Bollywood Shenanigans, and I can't can't believe believe it's not not Butter chicken. Chicken!
1: Can you tell us a little bit about Bollywood Shenanigans and then about the troupe and just kind of what you guys are going for and what inspired to bring you guys together?
4: Okay, um, we'll just sort of That's go back to That's a fully loaded here. question here. All right, so Whatever. here. Uh, no. Bollywood Shenanigans is an entertainment uh, comedy dance company brought t- together to inspire the world through comic sketch, song, and dance. And it doesn't matter if you're a visible minor- minority or not.
6: That's uh, pretty much our mission statement right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have
4: it tattooed. Um, <laughs> a, a private place. Yeah.
2: Ooh, a my private elbow.
4: Place.
6: Yeah, elbow. My, yeah, she's, I'm
4: wearing a long sleeve shirt, yeah, so you can't see it. It's very
6: private. She's very picky about her elbows. We formed in 2008. And, uh, and by
4: we, like Manish and I.
6: Yes, we are the originators. <laughs> yeah, we formed in 2008, and we've been doing uh, basically a show or two yearly since then.
1: When someone comes to one of your shows... Um, Obviously, funny is funny, but is there a flavor to your group that is specifically South Asian that people are really going to pick up on? Like, your, Is it just your references, or is there a specific style of comedy? I,
4: I just want to say one thing about that. Yes, we are highly, highly offensive. Nice.
6: And no one can dodge our uh, ability to offend you, uh, but um, actually we do have a specific style. We are very much influenced by the Bolly, Bollywood of days of old, so uh, Lena and I are huge fans of Bollywood. And so we grew up watching it. So there's an extreme, you know, basically influence of Bollywood. Yeah. But We also talk a lot about um, the South Asian community in North America mm-hmm. and kind of growing up as a first generation Canadian who is also learning to be Indian. So there's a lot of uh, wonderful things of that nature.
4: But their messages are quite universal. I mean, uh, I love I love to to compare this show to, for example, you know, do you remember that hit movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Mm -hmm. It was such a hit because it it, well, yeah, it was phenomenal because it hit many topics that everyone sort of knows about. It wasn't just particular to the Greek culture. Well, our show is a lot like that. So we have people from all kinds of different nationalities and cultures because we talk about things that affect everyone. Like we talk very openly about sex, or racism, or. what terrorism was the topic before? Uh, I guess? Once, yes. Once, uh, what else is there? We talk
6: about marriage, obviously. Marriage, relationships. Oh
4: yeah, lots of that.
6: A whole lot of relationships. Uh, and just
4: funny, bizarre stuff too.
6: Yeah, like definitely for this show, um, we have, uh, for instance, well, we can really we can give us some, mm-hmm. ex- you know, we uh, we talk about um, how it would be if men acted like uh, women. Mm-hmm. So we have a couple of sketches like that, and not. Uh,
1: All right. So that was a little bit from Butter Chicken. I can't believe it's not Butter Chicken, which is the troupe that we'll be performing. Uh, Bollywood Shenanigans is Munish Sharma and Lena Munro. And it's actually a really cool thing. What I'm going to do is... Post more information on our Facebook tonight as well as post the rest of this interview on our Facebook um, through YouTube because it's actually quite long and Discord or Radio is up next and I've taken more of their time. So unfortunately, I will have to take off, but please show up um, tonight. It's a half price preview show from 7 to 8.30 doors at 6.30. So that means it's only 10 bucks. And then it's $20 in advance or $25 at the door from main video, Kamal's video, or Eventbrite, or, as I said, at the door. It's a live sketch comedy night written by Bollywood Shenanigans called I Can't Believe It's Not Butter Chicken. And it'll be running until the 12th. So check out BollywoodShenanigans.com and SouthAsianArts.ca to get tickets. Uh, South Asian Arts is actually helping present it, and it aims to balance the lives of adults and children and develop their individually individuality through the arts. So it will be running at seven hundred Hamilton Street, um, Vancouver. So Studio Seven Hundred. I want to thank all our guests. I'm going to hand it off to Discord or Radio. Please, please listen to us next week and check out our Facebook as the rest of that interview will be available. And they were very, very funny. So I'll be checking out that event tomorrow night and I'll let you know next week uh, if Bollywood Shenanigans is something you should follow throughout the rest of the year. And that's all for me today. I'd like to thank... All of our guests, including Shelby and Joe from the Cultural Youth Program, Colleen Lankey from Tomeo Arts, Muni Sharma and Lena Monroe of Bollywood Shenanigans, Caitlin McKee of BC Buds, plus Doxa Festival for the free tickets. You can email me arts at CITR.ca.